Hello, guys. We are just here to let you know that we are taking a quick break for a few weeks before we get into season seven. So starting this week, we are going to be sharing some throwback episodes with you guys. We have picked some of our favorite episodes to share with you guys. We're so excited to be planning season seven, but we will be taking a little bit of a break. We'll be back on September 20th, but until then, make sure you enjoy these throwbacks. If you've been meaning to get to an episode, go back and listen to it. Make sure you enter your questions on the website about upcoming topics that you want to hear us chat about and go watch our YouTube videos as well because we are also there. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the lesser known platform, but it's fun because you can see our faces. And see our reactions when we mess up words or say dumb stuff. (laughs) Enjoy the break. We will see you guys back in September. And until then, we love you and we miss you. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the end of summer. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Hello, everyone. Today, we are bringing you a very fun and very controversial up-to-date present day. I feel like this is a very new thing. Um, Topic today, we will be discussing Noom and kind of talking about what it is, the pros of Noom, whether or not it's a diet, which it claims not to be. And of course, we always give our final thoughts at the end. So stay tuned. This is going to be a great episode. I know this is something that I think has picked up a lot more traction over the past couple of years. So it'll be yeah. good to talk about. I feel like Noom's been around for kind of a long time, but like, I feel like recently it's becoming more popular, which I guess is how all like businesses and diets specifically work is yeah they got to start with something and then they kind of just grow from there. But yeah, I yeah. do feel like it's more popular now for sure. I think there's just a lot more like commercials about it. Like I that's was- probably it. Yeah, that's what I've noticed. And I think I've seen more Noom commercials than Weight Watchers commercials. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you're right. They're they've been around for a long time, but they just now have the money to spend on marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. What is Noom? So Noom was founded in 2008 by two men. And it was founded with the purpose of focusing on health care instead of sick care. Like apparently the, how the American healthcare system actually focuses on, which I I do agree with. I do agree with that. Yeah. The healthcare system focuses much more on not really prevention, just kind of symptom management. Yeah. The fact that a lot of insurances won't cover people to see dietitians for preventative care is a pretty big indicator of that. As someone who works in healthcare, I get real fired up about that on the regular basis. So I definitely agree with that part of Noom. Yeah. But potentially if you've heard of it, you've known it more so as a very popular weight loss app. And it claims to be the last weight loss program you will ever need. They call themselves anti-diet, and we're going to talk about if this is true. But for right now, we want to talk a bit more about our personal experiences with Noom. And this is actually something that is a bit different than I feel like the other ones, because we don't really have as much personal experience with them as much. I don't, I have, can't say I've tried out keto, can't say I've tried out Herbalife. Um, I'm blanking every single other one. I was vegan for Weight two watches. hours. You were vegan for an <laughs> afternoon. We um, all know how that went. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, though, like we actually, we I wouldn't say we tried the program, but we did sign up for it. So that is yeah. more than we normally do. Yeah. But essentially something else I forgot to know about Noom is they pride themselves in focusing on the psychological and behavioral side of weight loss which is something that is much more up-to-date. I feel like a lot more people are having discussions around this. This is something a lot more dietitians are focused. This is something a lot more dietitians are focusing on. So in the grand scheme of things, it's a good idea, but we're going to kind of talk about what this exactly looks like and whatnot. So 
Hannah, start us off though. Tell us about your experience with Noom, what you discovered, what were red flags? What are your final thoughts, at least about your experience? Yeah, okay. So I signed up for Noom, but I didn't, I'll get to this, but I didn't end up paying for it. So you get to the end after you do like the questionnaire and all of that, but they don't actually like give you a coach or a calorie goal or any of that until you like actually sign up and pay for the app. And I was not about to like spend my hard earned money on Noom. I would never do that. Um, but I did do the initial part just to kind of get a gist of what it is. I do have a lot of clients that have done it or ask about it. So I thought not only for like the purpose of the podcast and like social media, like talking about it, it'd also be good just to know for my client's sake too. Um, but yeah, anyway, I did sign up and the first thing they had me do was choose a goal weight. And this is, I think very funny because I am at a weight I feel very comfortable at. I've weighed the same for about five years, which is a really good indicator that I'm at a weight that I'm meant to be at because throughout the last five years and like minor life changes, my weight has kind of just like stayed the same. Um, but Noom let me have a weight goal of really as low as you want to, but they recommended based on my height, a weight goal of 120 to 160 pounds. And so me being my dramatic self, I was like, yeah, let's shoot for 120. Even though I have not weighed 120 since I was in like fourth grade and I was a super tall 10 year old, like I'm not meant to weigh 120 pounds. I know that, but if I had really unrealistic expectations or a bad body image or an eating disorder, I might think that 120 is the way I have to be at. Or like if, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like that's what most people's perspectives would be like like if this is my range I want to be at the lowest possible exactly exactly and that weight goal or that range they spat out is just based on my height it doesn't take into account like muscle mass or activity level or genetics or my actual daily intake and it does get more personalized as we go along and I'll explain that but right off the bat like it you let just, me set a weight goal that was not realistic for me and so it's automatically setting up setting me up for failure because even if I do get to that goal weight, my body's way more comfortable, like 175, and it's just not going to let me hang out at 120 for very long. So oh that was gosh. red flag I, number one. Yeah. Especially since they like, that was so early on in the, <laughs> the first step. It was like right away, this is the weight you're going to aim for. Yeah. So this I, is going to be your measure of success. Exactly. Exactly. And I could have chosen like 160 and that'd be a lot less weight for me to hypothetically lose. But again, if I didn't know any better and I thought I had to be at 120 or that, you know, thinner is the best. So let's shoot for the lower end. Then I would have chosen that and Noom would have allowed me to do that and give me a calorie goal that would lead to me getting to that weight. That is like 50 pounds less than I'm supposed to be at. It's just crazy because we actually have to do an episode on BMI. We'll get to that in the future. We yeah. really want to talk about that, but there's no way that everybody at my height of like five foot, how tall am I? Like five, seven, five, eight is going to weigh the exact same. That's just not how bodies no. work. We're meant to be very diverse. And so that's why goal weights are garbage. And you can't really have a number in mind if you are trying to lose weight, because first of your all, even if it's a weight, might... yeah, your yeah, body you... might not let you. And even if it's a weight you've been at before and felt comfortable at, that could have been a season of life that was totally different. And oh, yeah. you may not, that might not be your set point weight anymore, which we should do an episode on that as well. The set point weight theory. I agree. Which if you guys don't know, I'll give you a brief synopsis. It's basically the weight your body wants you to be at. And it's a theory. It's not super duper evidence-based yet, but anyway, we'll explain that later, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first step. They gave me a goal weight. I chose 120 because I wanted to see how dramatic I could be. <laughs> Um, let's see. Let's see. And then the next step was they have you complete like a super long questionnaire, which I think it's good that it was very extensive. They asked about like chronic diseases, like if I have diabetes, high blood pressure, um, family history of these kind of diseases as well. It asked like how many meals I eat per day. Um, it did ask some like psychological questions too. Like, I think it has like about like stressors and just like daily life in general, but a big red flag that I noticed is that they did not ask if I had any history of disordered eating habits or an eating disorder. Oh. So 
since I didn't ask that, and if I did, which I do actually, I don't have an eating disorder history, but I do have a history of orthorexia and disordered eating. So like if I have not been healed from that and I was going to Noom to lose 50 pounds, it, as I'll keep explaining, it just wouldn't be a good fit. But they don't even like ask that or like ask it. And then if you say yes, they say, maybe you shouldn't do this. You should go see a dietitian or a therapist or something. Yeah. It's that just, incredibly triggering. Exactly. Cause it, we'll get to this too, but it's like all just like calorie counting and tracking your weights and those like earning your food through exercise, all things that, like Emily said, are very triggering for someone who has any of those past behavior in their history. So that was a red flag that they didn't ask anything about that, but I feel like that's the norm. Like I also, I'm making a YouTube video right now on Weight Watchers, a review on Weight Watchers and- Oh, exciting. Yeah. That questionnaire, I don't believe either asked about any kind of- I don't of, know like, if any of them do. Right, because they just want you to do it, whether you have disordered eating or not. Yeah. And some of the habits they make you do can be disordered depending on the person. I wonder if there is a an agreement you sign that's like, if I develop harmful behaviors from this, I will not sue, essentially. I feel like so many yeah. of these structured weight loss programs have triggered people like there's no way there's no way it hasn't triggered someone oh yeah um but that's a, hard a because line. like if you do develop like anorexia from doing noom you probably can't like in court blame it on noom like there's no way to prove that noom caused that eating disorder do you think there is like a way to prove it i feel it? like there has to be yeah. i am not a lawyer or <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's no doubt that it that. could like it, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like you could, I, yeah, or at least I feel like there should. Be. <laughs> oh, I, I think you should be able to, because it definitely can and will for a lot of people, but yeah, I, it'd just be hard to prove because it is such a multifaceted, is that right? The right word multifaceted yeah. disease yeah. or disorder, um, yeah. that it'd be hard probably in court to like blame it on this app that I used, even though it probably is the main thing that triggered it for some people. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I completed the questionnaire. Big red flag there is that they didn't ask about any history of disordered eating. But after I did the questionnaire, they gave me a timeline and they said that I could reach my weight goal of 50 pounds down from my current weight, which I feel very healthy at. Um, in what did it say? Like six months or so. I don't remember, but it essentially added up to being like one to two pounds a week, which we talk about this in the weight loss episode, which is our most popular episode. So go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. Um, that's generally a fine weight loss goal for most people. But again, I don't love the idea of giving a goal weight or a goal weight loss range to like shoot for each week, because then if you have a week when you're losing weight that you actually gain weight or you lose less than one or two pounds and you feel like you're failing, even though it's just your body being normal and like having normal fluctuations. Yeah. And so even though what that one to two pounds a week might be a good recommendation for some, again, for me, that'd be a terrible recommendation. So I don't need to lose one or two pounds a week. I wonder yeah. if do you, do you think the time I'm wondering what would change depending on like how much weight you need to lose? Like, I feel like they would, they, they would just say one to two pounds, no matter what. I think and they did because they, they would change the duration. Exactly. I bet I could have, I, if my goal weight was to get down to 160, it probably would have had me losing that in like a month or two, I guess. Yeah. But then I'm sure they would be able to reel you in after that to pay for something to maintain the weight loss or whatever. I actually don't really know what happens once you reach your weight loss goal. Like with Weight Watchers too, the reason they're so successful and the reason that they've been in business since like the sixties is because yes, you lose the weight and you're quote successful on their program, but who can like keep track of points of foods or count their calories forever, like, or be a deficit 24 seven. So that's why I'm wondering like what happens when you do reach your weight loss goal on noon, do they like have like a program after that? Or are you just like be set free and take a look? They might, I could go see it going either way. It's like, like Weight Watchers where they let you go and then you have to come back. And you come back because you get it all back. But either way. They're getting me back in business somehow. 
Yep. 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 So that is kind of where it ended. At this point, they said, like they said, here's like your weight loss timeline, how long it would take you. But if you want to like get your calorie goal and your exercise recommendations and your coach, then you have to pay for it. So from there, I just said no, because I don't even want to lose weight. I was just doing it for the purpose of social media. Yeah. So that was my experience. Yeah. Not great already. I didn't even like get into like having a coach. I am. I was reading a blog by a dietitian who like actually paid for it. And she like had a coach and she said she had a good experience in general with the coach because she was confronting her about the calorie goal being too low for her and all that. And the coach did say, okay, yeah, maybe it isn't a good fit for you then. But I think that really depends on the coach you get. I'm sure there are some coaches who are like, no, 1200 calories or you're out of here. Yeah. And also your like comfortability confronting your coach rather or being like oh they know I know so many people probably would go and be like they know everything I that I need to know to be successful and they just put that trust into them and that's not on the clients that is on the coaches yeah and new and on noom for getting coaches that I can almost guarantee are not dietitians or any kind of like actual healthcare professional most case scenarios if they are dietitians programs will be very upfront about calling them dietitians. Mm-hmm. We want you to know. Yeah. I think I looked it up. It said virtual health coach. So, yeah. The phrase health coach yeah. just triggers me. Yeah. Just don't like it. There's a time and place like, like where I work, for example, a health coach could do the job of getting someone's blood pressure reading and giving it to the dietitian or the NP or they could help like run a health fair and hand out things on, I don't know, a low sodium diet. I don't know. But a health coach shouldn't be someone you're like checking in with constantly for nutrition exercise advice. Yes. Generally out of their scope legally, but you know, that changes state to state. Yes. Okay. Anyway, Emily, what was your experience like? I, so I did the other route. There's a route. There are two routes you can go with Noom. No, I almost said Zoom. This is Zoom. not a Zoom. <laughs> no, no, no. This we love Zoom. Noom. Yeah. We like, we like Zoom a lot. Yeah. Um, there's the weight loss route. And then there's the stress, stress, stress and anxiety relief portion of Noom, which I had never heard about before until I signed up. I was like, I know everyone knows about the weight loss one. I'm going to try out this other one. And it talks a lot about how they talked about like those psychological influences and understanding that they talked about cognitive behavioral theory and how that backs up the majority of what they do and how they utilize mental health resources. And I was just very surprised because I thought this was a weight loss app. And I was like, what is this doing with stress and anxiety? (laughs) Almost felt like to me, it should have been a different app. Like if this is going to be mental health related, this should be something else. Maybe like moon for mental health. (laughs) Noon. What did you just say? (laughs) Moon. (laughs) Like the like rock in the sky, you know? Like noon backwards? No, I was going to say M for mental health. Moon, moon, not moon, moon. Yeah. Moon and noom. Moon and noom. Noom for nutrition, moon for mental health. I should trademark that so if they take it, <laughs> it's a pain. Yeah, you need to like buy that domain right now. Yeah. Watch Moom.com. <laughs> I'm going to Google that while we're talking about this. <laughs> but essentially, it had, it asked me a lot of different questions. Is this real? Moom is a hair removal business. Oh, okay. Well, it's already trademarked then. So, oh, shoot. I don't know if it's trademarked. You might be able to steal it, but it definitely has, they have a domain at least. Anyway, cool. But essentially, it asked me a lot of feel, feelings, asked me a lot of questions. I can't talk today, apparently. Um, had me answer a lot of questions about anxious thoughts any triggering stressful situations, stuff like that. The weirdest thing that stuck out to me, just because I am so passionate about mental health and also I educate myself a lot around that, 
And a lot of the triggers that asked me about weren't things that actually stressed me out. It, it was like asking about family related stress or relationship stress or school related stress for my stresses are like the political climate being biracial, things like that. And I was like, <laughs> I feel like these are a bit heavier from what Nim could help me It's like, yeah, we're tapping out on the race card. We're not getting into yeah, that. Yeah, they're like, go elsewhere. We're not helping you. But they gave me a timeline too. They said in four months, I'd see like the majority of my improvement. I don't even know what that's measured by. Like, would How I just- How they know that? I don't, I don't know. Apparently within, I think, I might misquote this. I was going a bit quickly through the questionnaire. It kept telling me random facts and I like, it's kind of flying through. But I think within the first week, 64% of the clients that utilized the stress relief portion of it had gone up 11 points, like seen 11 points in improvement. I don't know what that's measured by or what kind like of is- goes points? In. No, it, it just said 11 points. And I was what? like- Okay, maybe based off my questionnaire, my my levels were at different numbers. And somehow like you probably do like every week at least like this is how I'm feeling. And yeah, but I was just like, what does 11 points mean? <laughs> this could mean nothing to me Yeah, uh, if you don't define it. But essentially, I already see a therapist. I don't need to use them <laughs> yeah. for my issues, but no, it was interesting because like no one ever talks about this side of it. And it felt very out of place for, I was reading through the website. Like I read through almost every single one of their tabs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really talk about stress relief. It talks a little bit about it, like stress management, but the main focus is around like healthcare, weight loss, stuff like, like nutrition, stuff that, of that sort. So it it felt very out of place to me. And right. I, whenever they do mention mental health, it's how it can relate to your weight loss. Yeah. That's like the only way they ever advertise it. Yeah. That's weird. I didn't even know they had this part of it until you just told me before we started recording. That's very odd. Yeah. I did not know either. I personally would recommend therapy. (laughs) You need to work on mental health, but do you get like a, do you get a coach for the mental side of things too? I don't know. I, I feel like I would hope so. Good. I would, the thing is like, I would hope you're talking to someone like a therapist, but I didn't see anything about it. I read somewhere there were like lessons on mental health. I'm like, what does that mean? Like lessons? Am I going to watch webinars on how to manage my stress? That feels like homework to me and that does not sound fun. No. That's weird because I feel like there shouldn't be coaches unless the coaches are like actual therapists, but right. that would be another lawsuit waiting to happen if they had just like health coaches yeah. guiding you through your mental health journey. Yeah. Well, Numa is really batting zero so far. <laughs> um, a lot of going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do have a couple of pros that we want to go over because we try to see the positive in all things. Um, Mm -hmm. but as we'll find the negatives in this case really do outweigh the positives. Um, one of the pros is that you have a coach, like it's not like they just like give you a calorie goal and kind of kick you out and make you do it on your own. So that is great that you have someone to check in with, be accountable to ask questions Mm -hmm. to, but again, it's just good to be cautious about any kind of coach, even if it is a dietitian, because you just always need to know like what their credentials actually are, what their experience is, make sure you actually trust them. Um, that goes for like doctors too. Like there's always going to be someone who's not a good fit for you, even if they are qualified to do the job they're doing. So that's just something I like to point out. Like they have a coach, but if they're not a good fit for you, that kind of stinks. Yeah. 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 The other pro. Yeah. I didn't really have anything out of that. <laughs> Whenever I edit the episodes, we both say yeah so much. It makes me laugh. You know, I'll just like delete them because we just like yeah, sit we just... there and say yeah for 10 seconds. <laughs> and then we just sit there and think on it we're like should we move on yeah yeah that's the one pitfall of being virtuals we have to like rely on visual cues yeah 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 okay throwing up some thumbs up (laughs) yeah you're good partner the other pro is it does focus on behavioral changes rather than making rules such as like 
cut out carbs or don't eat past 7 p.m. So that is nice that they've included. Do you know any specifically of the behavioral changes? I actually don't know any off the top of my head. Uh, I know you count calories and you have like the <laughs> traffic light method, which we'll get to, but I wouldn't really even call those behavior changes. Yeah. I know they it's, talk about it. They talk about mindful eating a little bit. Yeah. I'm sure they go over like mindful eating, portion control. I'm sure like exercise is a big part. Um, that's actually one thing I don't think I put in the notes here, but I wanted to talk about, I was seeing that kind of like my fitness pal, you get a calorie goal and then it can also track your exercise or you can like input exercise and then you get more calories if you exercise. And I don't love that because it makes you, oh, I did write down actually, never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, this is a, one of our cons we'll get to that it makes you feel like you have to earn your food through exercise. Where if you're feeling super hungry because you're on a calorie diet of only 1200, that's not because you're like broken or wrong. It's just probably not a good calorie goal for you. And you don't have to earn more calories by doing more movement. Like you probably just need more calories because of the size body you're in. Yeah. Um, I forget how I got to that point, but that is a con that I don't love. No. But yeah, I don't really know what behavior changes. I, I'm sure they have like educational pieces in general, but yeah. I don't know. Let's talk about why Noom is a diet, though. Let's talk about why it's my favorite thing is for for claiming to be anti-diet. There are quite a few things that might showcase differently. And we made a nice list of them for you all. Yes, we're we're a fan of lists around here. Yeah. So the first one, you're given a calorie budget and encouraged to track everything. That is diet 101, calorie tracking. I also realized the last bullet point I put was food tracking, which is the same <laughs> exact thing I just said. So we're going to get rid of that. Um, but yeah, you're encouraged to track. It's like calorie counting. It's also like macro counting, but you're just tracking your food. It's a food journal and yeah. you're given the amount of calories to eat. So, and from what I understand and what I've heard for most people the calorie goal is 1200 yeah which is universally too. joked about these days as being the calorie needs of a toddler like it's probably not enough for you no i would be i think i might eat 1200 when i don't move during like like a day i'm yeah. feeling incredibly sedentary i don't leave a position like at all maybe yeah. then but even then not probably not and even then, like, you're not like meticulously making sure that you're only eating 1200 because you didn't get out of bed that day. No. Like you're just eating based on your hunger and your fullness. And if your hunger and fullness tell you that you only need 1200 calories that day, then that's, that's totally okay. fine. But mm-hmm. if the next day your hunger and fullness tell you that you need 1800, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a big one. That's, I think you're right. That's like the first thing that you should look first for. First red flag. Yeah. Um, this one I love, well, I hate it, but it's very hilarious. The traffic light approach. It's like something that Noom is really passionate about and proud of and something they like teach. It's probably one of the behavior, behavior changes is this traffic light approach. So as a Noom customer, doer, whatever. You're a Noomer. As a Noomer. Is that what they call them? Yeah. I hate that so much. Okay. As a Noomer. Um, you are instructed to follow the traffic light approach, which you, you may have heard before. I think Weight Watchers followed this for a while, a long time ago. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Someone I think has they done... switched to it, actually. Yes, you're right. Weight Watchers, which will do an episode to try to be more, well. a bit more liberated. They yes. sh- switched to it. They're always changing their rules. I was just like we're looking into them the other day, and it's all over the, the wild, place. The Wild West over there. So yes. The W's actually stand for not Weight Watchers. <laughs> what? It is wellness oh what is that I was they changed their name well it's no longer weight loss it's ww which stands for wellness that works that's what it is oh i mean they're still weight watchers like on their website it right, still right, says right. weight watchers but they now want you to call it ww which no longer supposedly i knew they changed it yeah but i thought that was just so it didn't blatantly say weight yeah i mean that's still their name but now it's wellness that works is the other way you can describe it Anyway, we'll do an episode on them eventually. Yeah. But with the traffic light approach, it makes probably what 
you're thinking it makes sense. Like you've got your green foods, your yellow foods, and your red foods. So green foods are the foods you want to eat the most of. Yellow foods you want to kind of eat in moderation. And red foods you really want to limit your intake of. And this, this really perpetuates the idea of good food and bad food, which Emily and I always talk about. Like we don't want to label any foods as bad or even good because our brain's reaction to that thought around a certain food, that label of a food is going to dictate how we respond to eating that food. Whereas a food is just a neutral thing. We just have a neutral reaction to it. And we are more likely to eat based on what our body like wants. Um, yeah. But on their website, it even says, because we don't believe in good or bad foods, even though they like use this color coordination system, which clearly like states like green is good red is bad. Like if you see something that's green versus red, you think automatically green, good, red, bad. So even if they don't necessarily say like good food and bad food, almost anybody is going to still have that mindset when they see that different color coding system. I think that's one of my top pet peeves about Noom. Me too. Is the like pie chart with all the different colors. And as you can probably, as you can probably guess, all the green foods are like lower calorie foods and the red foods are like higher calorie foods. Yeah. Just like Weight Watchers. Or like alcohol, stuff like that. Yeah. And is it true that there are some foods that are more nutritious and we should eat more of? Yes. But that doesn't make us a better person for eating those more nutritious foods than if we, on a certain day, ate more of those less nutritious foods. Yeah. (sighs) It just like develops a really bad it's feeding into that disordered eating of viewing foods as like good versus bad. And you feel guilt when you eat more red foods and you're like, oh no, I have to limit myself with these. But with the green foods, you could eat however many of those. But like kind of what we talked about, if you eat a copious amount of something, it's probably not going to be good. Like, right. Like you can you OD on water for goodness sakes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally we are, I love water. It's great but you can drink too much (laughs) and it's all about balance yeah with everything we talk about (laughs) yes I know it's only broken records but it's so true another thing and I know again Weight Watchers is very similar I'm really they have a lot of similarities to Noom um a lot of those red foods are higher calorie but the great thing about high calorie foods like nuts and seeds and avocados and that kind of stuff is because they're high in calories they're very very filling so most people yeah. don't feel the need to eat like three avocados. Like that's just, oh my gosh. we're usually pretty satisfied after a serving, which is like a half or whatever, um, or whatever <laughs> serving it is to you. And there's no discrepancy on that, but yeah, that's another point I like to make too. Like high calorie is not bad. No, that's a hard one. And like, I work in weight management, as you guys know by now. And people are like so afraid of like nuts and peanut butter. And I recommend that to everyone. Me too. I'm like, I'm like for snacks. Like yes. like, yes. If you eat a whole container, is it going to be 500 calories? And that might be too much for your calorie needs that day. Yeah. But like, if you have a good serving for you and you balance it in a nice snack with a string cheese and a piece of fruit, not just like a giant thing of nuts, because you will overeat that you're way less likely to overdo it. And it's actually a really great snack and it's going to provide a lot of key nutrients for you. Yeah. And also don't eat it out of the containers. Oh yeah. Like that's such an easy way to overeat anything, but especially nuts, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about the next red flag of is Numa diet. They recommend daily weigh-ins, and this drives me nuts. Speaking of nuts, it drives me. <laughs> it drives me too. Because <laughs> yeah. weight fluctuates so much. And as we've, so many of us have been programmed growing up and seeing in the media that being taught that our weight defines a lot of our self-worth, when you see fluctuations in that weight, especially it going up, you're going to feel discouraged and feel bad about yourself. And it might lead to restriction and overcompensation or over-exercising. 
be like, wow, my weight went up 0.6 of a pound. It was all those. Cool. You have to poop. Avocados. Right. <laughs> Go to the bathroom. Right. Go take a dump and get weight again. It'll be down. I yeah. promise. Also like your, your liquid intake, specifically your water intake affects your weight every single day. The types of food, the time of day, your clothing, whether or not you went to the bathroom, there are all these things that influence weight and it's completely normal to fluctuate. I think, I think it's two to four pounds is the fluctuation. I don't remember the exact number. Yeah. But like every day you can fluctuate and it's completely normal. I promise you, you're not going to put on five pounds of fat overnight. Exactly. You might've ate a really high sodium meal and drink a million gallons of water and it just all retained in your body. It's not, yeah, but it just, it's very discouraging. Cause then also if you're on, you're constantly checking in with that goal rate they gave you. Like, so for example, if you like one to two pounds every week, like what if you hit your two pounds halfway through the week and then you gain it all back? And that will happen. Like, that's just yeah. how it works. That's incredibly demoralizing. <laughs> I typically don't even recommend my weight management people to weigh themselves more than like every two or three weeks. Yeah. Preferably not at all, because I feel like everyone's happier and involved. And we focus more on those non-scale victories. But daily is just so hard on your mental health. Yes. Every patient that I see that insists on weighing themselves daily, like, gets so upset and like they base their food choices off the scale that day. And that makes it really hard to tune into your hunger cues. If you're only basing it off of if the scale was up or down, like there's so many cons there's so many more cons to weighing yourself daily than there are any pros. I was going to say, even if like you do want to use date or weight as a data point, cool. That's fine. I'm not one to say that you shouldn't look at your weight ever. Um, if that's what you want to do, doing it daily is not going to be any more beneficial than track yeah, once a week or once every few weeks. Like there are too many different factors. Like you, if you're going to track your weight, I'm not telling you to do this because this will, will lead to disorder. Like 99% chance. Like you'd also have to track your food, your water intake, what your clothing, how much you defecated. Like that also changes it. Like what you're, how much you urinated, what, how heavy your clothes were. There are are all these things that affect weight so much. And no, right. I am not go- telling you to please do not go away <laughs> your waist products or <laughs> your clothing. Cause that's will be really annoying. <laughs> like imagine how much more brain space you would have to spend on like things that actually matter. If you didn't know, like I have a patient who like, he can tell me his weight on September 18th of 2017, like he knows what his weight was. Like he's obsessed. And like, imagine how much more brain space he would have to spend on like, oh, what fun meal should I make for dinner tonight? Or what hobbies can I get into? Or, oh, let's just like watch TV and chill the F out. Like imagine how much more brain space you would have if you didn't spend so much of it concerned with the number on the scale that you have no control over anyway. Oh. Like you have this very false sense of control when, as we've described, the number on the scale is like, yeah, you can eat less, move more, but it's still going to go up and down. I feel like we should oh, do an episode on non-scale victories. What you say? We, sh- we should do an episode on non-scale victories and why you shouldn't use weight as a success. I'm going to write that down right now. Because I feel like it's something we talk about almost yeah. every single episode. <laughs> But it might be nice just to concentrate on it for an entire episode because it's something, unfortunately, that we've been trained to focus on and prioritize. And I, even if you do, even if you do like have an emotional connection to weight, that does not make you a bad person. That makes you a victim of diet culture. Yes. So we're saying all these things and like, if we're not upset with you, yeah, we're upset with the system. (laughs) That's a good point because I do get so fired up and I feel bad for my clients. Sometimes I treat them with care, but I do get like so passionate and upset and like really fired up about this kind of stuff. And 
I have to talk about that a lot. Like, I'm not mad at yeah. you. I'm not no. like fired up at you. It's because you've been taught all these things and it's totally out of your control. But now yeah. you have to spend money to see me, which I totally appreciate. It gives me a job. But like you're spending this money to undo all the things that has happened to you just being alive as a human in this culture. Yeah. Ugh. I haven't gotten this fired up on a podcast in a while. I'm feeling very you got fired up during Herbalife. Yeah, I was just that fired up a week ago, but I forgot about it already because <laughs> I get fired up every day. <laughs> yeah, we're doing, I feel like a lot more, I don't know if I always say touchy, a bit more controversial topics recently. Yeah. And it's topics that we're like really adamant about, like something we talk about, we could like kind of take it or leave it, like dining out, for example. Like we're not really passionate about like dining out tips. We like to give them so you guys have them, but yeah, when it comes to like weights and like relationship with food, that's where we like really that is like our wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um we should move on to the next one. We've been yes. talking about daily weights for a very long time. We probably could have said like two things and everyone would have like been like, okay, cool. Done. <laughs> Hit the like 15 seconds and are they done? Yes. <laughs> They probably already have been doing that for a while. Um, the next one I really already touched on, so I won't go over it again, but it's the whole idea of adding calories back when you do a workout and making it feel like you don't get to eat those calories if you don't get off your butt that day. Yeah. Not the case. So I say we skip to the last one. So this one yes. we're also probably going to get fired up about. So Noom, I don't know how they did it. And maybe you can define it better than I can or describe it better. But sometimes like what I've been hearing about is if you were to Google intuitive eating, sometimes based on Noom's like marketing strategy, they would pop up. And so it's the SE, I, you know, oh, the SEO, than SEO, like if oh. you look up registered dietitians or intuitive eating, they are most case scenarios. So, the number one so they're using up. SEO to like make themselves on the homepage. Oh, and because they're so popular that they're popping up all the time oh my gosh okay that totally makes sense yeah, so imagine you're trying to better your relationship with food trying to get out of the diet culture space and you're like what is intuitive eating and you put it in the good old google because yeah most of us do yep, a lot I of would. things and then that's the first thing to pop up yeah yeah so <laughs> so upset i know because everything that we just talked about tracking calories, weighing yourself, the um, traffic light approach, earning your food through exercise. Those are all things very, very critical to not being intuitive eating. Like those are all like the basics that if you have any knowledge at all on intuitive eating, you know that those are all things you don't do or incorporate. No, it is so frustrating because when intuitive eating is Googled, Evelyn Tribal and I am kicking myself because I don't remember the other dietitian's name. Elise, Elise Rett, right? I think so. But yeah. their website should be the first website right. that comes up since they are the co-founders of intuitive eating. Yeah. You'd think it makes sense. But since they, even though they, they have a huge, I know they have, they're very popular because oh, yeah. so many dietitians support them. Yeah. And just general other healthcare professionals are kind of incorporating intuitive eating more. Yeah. The book is the fact that a weight loss program is the number one search result under intuitive eating. And they would, the thing is you wouldn't know any, I wouldn't know any better. No. Like I would see like, oh, new, a, yep. weight, a health program that incorporate that is associated with intuitive eating and something I'm interested in. Exactly. And like, if you don't really know what intuitive eating is, you just kind of have heard of it. You may, I guess you may not know that it's not a weight loss diet or program or any of that. Like it's actually, there's weights not even discussed unless talking about how you shouldn't weigh yourself. <laughs> yeah. So they have nothing it's, in common, literally nothing in common at all. No, it's, they are plugging in a buzzword that has gained more movement rightfully so and using it to their advantage that's happening a lot with the intuitive eating world right now it's very over and poorly utilized and misunderstood people just think it's the eat whatever you want diet 
It's so frustrating. I'm not even like an intuitive eating specialist or counselor. I think I, I do want to be eventually, but same, same. Um, that's not, that's not what intuitive eating is at all. No, no. It's so much more than just like eating donuts all day. Yeah. And I can, no dietitian or no intuitive eating specialist is going to tell you to eat, like tell you to right. eat donuts all every day. One of the main parts of intuitive eating is the aspect of gentle nutrition, which means you honor your, your, your health. You actually like take care of your body. You're not just eating things that, yeah, taste really good, but maybe aren't the best for you nutrition wise. Like it's not just eating whatever you want. It's a whole framework and it's scientifically backed and it's so much more than just eating whatever. Yeah. I think that's <sighs> something I like have talked to so many people about how I support intuitive eating. It's something I actively incorporate in my practice. They're like, oh, so you just tell people to eat whatever they want. I'm like, do you really oh. think I am out here like having these appointments just talk saying like, oh yeah, eat all of that pizza and eat only pasta and never eat a vegetable and go do all these I'm like blanking on any other thing don't eat all the sodium I'm trying to think of like all the scare tactics like eat all the high fat foods and eat all the sodium and eat all the eggs eat all the carbs (laughs) yeah just eat whatever no that's not it's not what it is it's teaching health in a way that actually improves your health rather than just focusing on weight loss yeah that's more than that but that's how it kind of relates to noom Speaking of intuitive eating, though, we did an episode on intuitive eating. So to understand it a bit better, I believe it's episode five. So it's a bit a flash from the past or however that phrase goes. (laughs) But go check out that episode because we do a lot better job. Or if even if you're someone who is interested in learning about intuitive eating or you are under the perception that it's eat whatever you want, go listen to that episode because we go a lot more in depth about it and kind of debunk a lot of those myths around intuitive eating. Honestly, I feel like we should touch back base on it. I was just going to say, we need to revisit it, I think. I think we, we should like, revisit like half our episodes. <laughs> we can literally title it like, is intuitive eating the eat whatever you want diet and spend the whole time talking about that. All right. Well, <laughs> let's wrap this up. So final thoughts. You guys probably gathered this. You probably know it when you first clicked on our episode, but we'll tell you anyway. Um, Noom is a diet. It's not intuitive eating. Um, we know that diets don't work. So as Noom is just another diet, it's probably not going to work long-term. Will you lose weight? Probably. But will you be able to maintain that weight? Probably not. So same, same thing, different day around here. So it's like, you know, when they say people are the same person in a different font, Yes. Noom is a different font of Noom is Weight Watchers is what Noom is. I'm just realizing with a that little now. bit more potentially the behavioral, a little bit, maybe. which they don't even like really. They advertise that and they talk about that being the big thing, but I've like, where? yeah. I also want to note this is completely. I don't even think we incorporate this in, but people have like confided in me that Noom gave them an eating disorder. Yeah. I'm like, that is not good at no. all. <laughs> no. So bad. So don't do it. But again, if you guys listen to this podcast, you probably <laughs> either follow Emily or I or both of us and know that we probably were going to say that. Yeah. Okay. I am excited for this bonus question today. I thought of it before we, like recently, and I thought it'd be a really good one today. So Today's bonus question is, are nut milks, like almond, oat milk, I guess not really nut milk, but almond, soy, coconut, all those different kinds of like not milk milks, non-dairy milks, are they actually milk or should they be called like almond beverage? I'm going to say no, they are not because I'm pretty sure the National Dairy Council like actually filed a lawsuit against this. Really? I'm not sure. All I... I'm trying to remember when it was, but they're not allowed to say like almond milk. I don't, if you look at a lot of beverages, it'll say almond beverage okay. or non-dairy beverage. Yeah. Okay. So like it, it won't even, like we all say like, I 
I say oat milk. Yeah. <laughs> I say almond milk, coconut milk, but it's actually, um, cause I think I'm pretty sure there was legal action. I mean, involved. I'd say there should be. Because I looked up, because we are all about definitions around here. And yeah. I looked up milk definition and said, an opaque white fluid rich in fat and protein secreted by female mammals for the nourishment of their young. Oats Almonds don't have young to feed. <laughs> it's, not, it's like oats don't secrete anything <laughs> or coconuts. Like, yeah, oats aren't yeah. reproducing and having young they have to feed. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Like, yeah. It's fancy when you say like, I'll have the oat beverage, please. I like it better. I think it sounds Same. cooler than oat milk. Same. Can I have a cold brew with oat beverage, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was an easy one. Yeah. Which is good because we just spent probably an hour talking about Noom. So <laughs> just keep it quick and simple for everyone. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Nut milk should be called nut beverages. Yeah, I listened to a podcast actually where I got this idea, and the host called it Nutterade, like Gatorade. But I nuts. don't like that. I know. I thought it was so funny. Nutterade. Nutterade. Why are they going after Gatorade or Powerade? I know. Interesting. So good. So good. I like nut beverage. Sounds fancy. Nut beverage. Love a nut beverage. Nutty beverage. <laughs> For some reason, I like almond beverage and oat beverage, but I don't like just general nut beverage very much. I think the word nut is just like not. I have a nut words. liquid. Oh, <laughs> nope. nope. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, be nut water. Ew, I feel like that's that more accurate. Gross. It's more yes. accurate, but it sounds really gross. I'll have almond water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's I think my of final like question. a LaCroix, a LaCroix that's like almond flavored. Ooh. Oh, that I sounds disgusting. If you got like one of those, um, I'm thinking of, I don't, I'm thinking of like a baked good, <laughs> like an almond, but like flavored water. I don't know if you, maybe it'd be sweet. I also don't like flavored water, so maybe it wouldn't taste good. <laughs> yeah. But okay anyway sorry do your outro okay <laughs> I had outro to cut to outro thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode we hope you're enjoying season three so far we're having yes. a great time and we will see you guys next week yes thank you for tuning in okay bye bye Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the upbeat dietitians with your host emily krause and hannah thompson we appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.